The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. Welcome to the Rod and Staff podcast. I'm your host, Roger, along with my co-host, Jason, and we are back for another episode that we're going to go back into the confession that we've been going through. (laughs) It's going to take us about 20 years to get through, but uh, (laughs) before we... It's not a bad thing, Roger. (laughs) No, 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 it's not. Um, Before we get into uh, the confession, though, uh, we usually do ask each other some questions to throw us off or throw each other mm. off. I'm not going to do that today. This could be more of a question for our regular listeners oh. um, to just get an update on how things have been going since the church has combined and we're beginning the official merger process, but we have already started the <coughs> physical uh, merge where we united uh, a few weeks ago at the church. So how are you feeling Is from what you thought it was going to be that first time preaching in front of this combined congregation, you know, what are your thoughts of how it's been? It has been, it has been really exciting to be honest. It's been exciting. It's been fun. Um, In some ways I I would like to use the word seamless in terms of the transition, feeling really comfortable with the the whole combined body, uh, the leadership. It's been great getting to know people, Mm -hmm. get to understand, um, kind of the background and the history to um, the church that we were able to combine together with. Um, yeah, it's been really wonderful. Even one of their uh, older, older retired pastors came back mm-hmm. uh, and got a chance to meet him and, and get to know, know him a bit. So it's, it's just been a really great transition thus far. I'm sure challenges will come and there's no doubt, but there's been a, a great unity with the leadership and, yeah, it's been great so far. I don't know. How about you? I mean, you've been, from a different perspective, seeing all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, the first week we, we merged, I wasn't in the main service, so I didn't mm. get to, to, to hear the first sermon and Oops. see how that went. <laughs> I was in the uh, Sunday school, which was totally fine. Um, but yeah, just uh, I, I think being in a church building compared to what we're in is so different yeah. from the singing where you can hear all of us singing, it, it changes the worship from when we just hear the band mm-hmm. and we can't hear each other. So that experience has been uh, really good. Yeah. Um, and and because, you know, we're, we have pretty much the same order for the most part, just adding in different people, it's it, it was smooth transition. Yep. Um, it is a challenge now that we have more people <laughs> to get to know oh, yeah. where are people at after service, where are they hanging out? Oh, that's I, exactly what I was thinking. Right? <laughs> I, I, I was telling some of the other guys, I go, I, I don't know where to stand to try and get new people and, yeah. you know, get to know people that maybe are from the previous church. I, I, it's hard. There's a lot of exits, a lot of entries. Yeah, I don't think I saw you after Sunday after I didn't service see you. <laughs> coming out. I'm like, where, where is he hanging out? Where yeah. are people congregating now because there's so much more room in different places? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I ran out to the back like I normally oh, would in our old location. <laughs> But no one came out there. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> so I said, oh, this is a mistake, you know. Um, well, you had two doors. So now yeah. they have a choice. They don't have to. <laughs> they can avoid a, me. They can avoid you if they don't want to say, oh, great sermon, pastor. And yeah. have to lie to you if it wasn't. So, 
So that's good to know. Wait, does that mean that if they do come and say that, it's more meaningful now? That affirms your sermon, whether it was good or not. Okay, excellent. So So you can change it the next week if it was really bad. (laughs) Oh, man. It it truly, though, I mean, the the number of people has increased, obviously. Yeah. Um, I feel like, um, you know, we, we, I was talking to one of our other folks and we had expected to add their kind of smaller group to our group. Um, but I don't feel like it's just been addition. It's been even more. I feel like people mm. feel more comfortable coming with more space. So almost all of those who had been somewhat regular to our church are showing up. And so it's really increasing attendance and ability to, yeah. um, you know, get people in here. Now the question is, can we find ways to make sure we're ministering to them and shepherding them? That's the the challenge. Yeah. 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 There'll be lots of trials to come and yeah. Satan will find ways to, to, uh, yeah. He's going to try. Oh yeah. I mean, roof leaking. Yeah. For instance. Yeah. <laughs> first weekend. It's okay. Hey, listen, <laughs> first week at our last location, all of our, you know, audiovisual stuff was stolen. So, yeah. and that, and that was just a pattern. I think, what was it? Was it seven times seven, we were wrong? Seven times. I, I blame you, Roger. I don't know why, but I blame you. <laughs> That's okay. You can throw him into the bus for that. somehow. <laughs> oh, okay. Man. Well, let's get back into the confession. It's been a few weeks since we uh, last were in chapter five, mm-hmm. and we now know how to how to say um, these sections. <laughs> we're not sections, but we know they're chapters and paragraphs. Finally, and I think we confirm that because we are holding a new book that neither of us read, but we were. Uh, long expecting to receive, called A New Exposition of the London Baptist Confession of Faith of 1689. Mm-hmm. General Editor Rob Ventura has a handful of authors, and it's a new work on the confession, just came out this year, to go through it. And it's a pretty lengthy book, and we're excited about that to get more input. So if we've said anything wrong about the confession up to this point, we're just going to redo all the episodes yeah. and if start you, over. <laughs> if you go back and look at our episodes and realize they don't exist anymore yes, because we want to start again, yeah, know that's why. And, and in this book, it shows us that it is chapter and paragraph. So we're just going to be consistent, even if you don't like it and you think it's an article. I, I, I'm still going to say article sometimes just because, Roger, partly well, because I there's still a flesh-spirit battle going on. I think this so. is the Presbyterian side holding on to something it different. Be. It could be. <laughs> That deep-rooted Presbyterianism in me, you know? Yeah. Well, we will judge you, so don't worry if you say it wrong. Okay. Well, we're back in Chapter 5. We last were on the doctrine of divine providence. One of my favorite um, doctrines, I think because it was a book I read early on in my Christian life called uh, The Mystery of Divine Providence by By John Flavel. And it was a small Puritan paper book, but I love that little book because it talked about God's providence in Scripture, showed how God worked, but then it applied it to all the areas of our life, like Mm -hmm. our work, our our marriage, our all these different arenas of life. It had, uh, he had expressed how God's providence is working through it. So, Mm. um, Excuse me. So it's it's a doctrine that is so important um, to understand because it 
reminds us of who God is mm-hmm. and how he works in his world. It reminds us that this world is not just on its own, mm-hmm. that things are not spinning out of control. It reminds us God is sovereign, but he's ordering things, and we don't have to understand how he's doing it. We can trust that he is ordering things for the good. So this chapter, we'll talk about that in different um uh, ways. Mm-hmm. And so uh, last time we ended on paragraph number two. So we're, st- uh, no, no paragraph, paragraph three. Three we ended on, yeah. Sorry. So we're going to start with paragraph four and yep. hopefully hit paragraph five too, because I think that's a, a great one. We'll, we'll see hope so, yeah. um, as we go through it. So let me go ahead and read um, paragraph four and then let's discuss divine providence. The almighty power and searchable wisdom An infinite goodness of God are so thoroughly demonstrated in his providence that his sovereign plan includes even the first fall and every other sinful action, both of angels and humans. God's providence over sinful actions does not occur by simple permission. Instead, God most wisely and powerfully limits and in other ways arranges and governs sinful actions. Through a complex arrangement of methods, he governs sinful actions to accomplish his perfectly holy purposes. Yet he does this in such a way that the sinfulness of their acts arises only from the creatures and not from God. Because God is altogether holy and righteous, he can neither originate nor approve of sin. (coughs) That is a lot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) In one statement. It is. Uh, but honestly, I, and I hope those who are listening would, would get a copy of the confession and look mm-hmm. carefully at this statement, and, and all of it, obviously, because the the divines, the forefathers who put this together, really have done a magnificent job. Mm-hmm. What they have done, and, and this is what kept going through my mind as I was reading this and preparing to think through it together with you, they have captured all that the scriptures do teach on the issues um, without trying to um, make make it all work together in a way that has no mystery, mm, which I think yeah. so many people will try to do because we don't like mystery. Mystery means we don't fully comprehend it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in some sense still remaining hidden. We don't like that. And um, but the they have done a great job of articulating. Here's all the scriptures really say. And they're putting these realities, these truths, side by side without trying to um, uh, get rid of any of the tension. And I think that there's a, a call to live in tension, but mm-hmm. we've talked about that before. Um, so, I, yeah, I think it's a great statement. <clears throat> and he begins where where it all begins, mm-hmm. in, in the beginning, uh, after Adam and Eve were created. And we think of the fall, and it talks about the first fall and every other sinful actions, both of angels and humans. So can you explain that to us, of the <laughs> angels and how they sin? Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's fascinating. But I mean, if you think about Genesis 6, right? Uh-huh. Sons of God, you know, come and they see the beauty of the, the daughters yeah. of men. And there's something there. I know there's a lot of controversy over what that means. Yeah. Um, but also, if in fact Lucifer was uh, an angel who has fallen, which I think is the, the historical kind of position. Um, or at the very least, he is a, a created being by God and he's not human. Even his 
sins and his actions, which means even what happens in the garden Mm -hmm. when he's tempting Adam and Eve, all of that is under God's divine providential care and governance, right? Mm -hmm. He he governs those. And And I love the way they put it. It says his sovereign plan includes these things, right? And I, there's always the big question, what is God's relationship to sin yeah. if he's sovereign? Mm-hmm. And and the and the confession lays it out there. He's he he's it's part of his plan. Sin yeah. is part of God's plan. His holy purposes yep. is how it talks about it. Oh yeah. But he does it in a way where God can't be blamed for sin. He's not responsible for sin. Let's let's let the confession guide us here, right. Raj, because he yeah. gets that at the end. You're right, exactly right. But that's like the, the the last line that they'll they'll help us see things with. But but they want us to not miss mm-hmm. the fullness of the statement because notice what that second line says: His providence over sinful actions does not occur by simple permission. Yeah, that's an interesting. Isn't that an interesting statement? statement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because what is it that most people, in order to somehow um, get it, say, oh, God, God's not uh, culpable because he just permits yeah, sin. He per- yes. He, he doesn't arrange or direct it. I mean, look what the next statement says. It says, no, instead, God most wisely and powerfully limits and in other ways arranges and governs sinful actions. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that the, in, in Genesis, and I'm forgetting the um uh was it abraham that was prevented from sinning uh, or not abraham who who was aware it talks about how he had went before the king and he was per, or he was prevented mm-hmm. from actually committing a sinful action because god had intervened in that situation you, you're, you're thinking remember? of yeah, yeah you're thinking of the um I don't remember his name, but the one who Abraham was basically sinning against, right? The yes. king or... Yes, the, right? yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 he, he was, Abraham was allowing him to take his wife. Yes. And this guy was going to be with his wife. And thankfully the Lord, you know, prevented that. Yeah. Yeah. And in governing, that just made me think when it talks about governing sinful actions, mm-hmm. that he's even over, over all of that. Oh, uh, what about the other one? And I, I want to make sure I, I note where it's found. But um, 2 Samuel 24, 1 mm-hmm. and 1 Chronicles 21, 1. Okay, these are two different accounts of the same event. Yeah. In one of them, it says that God uh, God caused David to go take a census. Oh, yes, and yeah. the other account, it says the devil, <laughs> Satan, <laughs> caused David to go take a census, yeah. right? Um, God has caused the very same thing or, or yeah, has, has caused and governed and arranged mm-hmm. the same thing that, in one, that we know is... A sinful action on yeah. on David's part, but not on God's part. We'll get to that uh, in a in a minute. But yeah, look, it's not just that he permits it; he's active. In it. He, he, it's, it, one of the other passages I was looking at. It may be, I think it's the Isaiah ten passage, but I, I could be wrong. We'll, we'll look at it. But he he takes Assyria, commands Assyria to come and destroy Israel. Mm-hmm. commands them, sends them to come and do all this destruction to punish his people, Israel. And then he turns around and he punishes Assyria yeah. for its arrogance and having done those things out of arrogance yeah. against Israel. Okay, now, 
that's not something that we can f- just fit in our finite minds, mm-hmm. but we must affirm it. It is true. And it's God is not just permitting. He is almighty, sovereign over everything, and he is arranging and governing even sin or what we see as human sinful actions for his good purposes. Yeah. If he didn't, he wouldn't be sovereignly in control of all things. Yeah. Then it would be man. And that's where I, I think when when we put so much responsibility on man or we, we, we emphasize so much of man, yeah. we, we try to get God off the hook. Yeah. Well, no, it was man who did it. Not, not God wasn't involved in something like that. He's too holy to be involved in, you know, evil, which, which you know, the scriptures are teaching mm-hmm. us truths that are, at the same time, they're both true, but they seem to not fit together. Yeah. I mean, even here, they, they regard that there is these complex arrangements yeah. of methods of and how he governs. Yep. How could we put all that together? We're not God. We can't see all. Yeah. We don't have providence, divine yeah. providence. That's an attribute of God. We don't know how it all works together yeah. to really know all of the different ways something affects another. Yeah. And, and and just think about the comfort, though, that comes from this. Mm-hmm. If For the believer, if, if you think about the, the comfort of knowing that your heavenly Father is arranging and governing and... Um, directing all things in this perfect way. So that even something that looks awful and, and wretched and sinful or traumatic or mm-hmm. all those things, including the cross, right, was not outside of his plan, but is, as Romans 8.28 promises, used for good. Yeah. That should be comforting, not the opposite, which I think sometimes, again, if we put these doctrines in the right context, the way the Lord reveals them to us you know we'd find the comfort that he wants us to find yeah we we, yeah and i'm just thinking when i when i talk to my son and and we talk about you know truths that are hard to understand we can't we can't comprehend all of it right Right. how is how is god in control with and adam and eve still fall into Mm -hmm. sin and he's like i just don't get it (laughs) like me neither neither. right and and (laughs) that's right it's true i can't fully explain it. I can just tell you what the scriptures say and we're trying to understand it all, but we can't understand the mind of God because we are not God. That's what separates us. And that's a good thing um, that we are the creature and he is the creator that makes a distinction. We're creating his image to try to understand, mm-hmm. but we weren't creating his image to be him. Right. And to understand I, all things. I, 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 as I was thinking about this, I made a note to myself and, I'll share it. I said, part of submitting to the word of God is affirming what it affirms, even if we cannot fully comprehend how it's possible that these two ideas can be true together. We must affirm our finiteness and God's incomprehensibility. And I think that's a starting point for theology, right? To think Mm -hmm. through all the scriptures, but always know that we're limited and God is not. And that's why I think, look at what the... The confession goes on to say, it, it says all this stuff about how he's in control of even sinful actions and he, you know, his complex methods, etc. Yet he does this in such a way that the sinfulness of their acts arises only from the creatures and not from God. Right? Because God is righteous and he can't be sinful. Yeah. So how do we make sense of that? Well, 
look, when you think about even, I know it alludes to Genesis fifty twenty, which we always talk about. What, what Joseph's brothers did was wrong and sinful. Mm-hmm. Their, what they intended was manipulative, evil, vindictive. Yeah. Okay. God intended the very same stuff that they were doing, but for a purpose that was not evil. Yeah. It was good. And so I think that's kind of how we're wrestling through this stuff and trying to make sense of it. I, yeah. Any yeah, thoughts on that? No, that, that, that's good. And as we think about, you know, how sin uh, arises out of the creature, it arises from our hearts. Yep. It's our thoughts. It's our desires. Yes. It's our, our will at that point to choose to actually sin. We're the ones doing it. We're not blaming others mm-hmm. um, for it. So, and, and God's heart is never yeah. evil. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. our and we're fallen, and our hearts are bent away. And yep. even when we're redeemed, our hearts still have the remnants yep. to go back to uh, act out of our flesh. Yep. Amen. Well, that's good. Anything more on paragraph number four um, before we go on to the next one? No, only after I read the book, then I'll tell you if there's anything. We'll, more. we'll correct each other. <laughs> we'll come back. <laughs> okay, this is another full statement, but. Um, I really like what's brought out in this paragraph. The perfectly wise, righteous, and gracious God often allows his own children for a time to to experience a variety of temptations and the sinfulness of their own hearts. He does this to chastise them for their former sins or to make them aware of the hidden strength of the corruption and deceitfulness of their hearts so that they may be humbled. He also does this to lead them to a closer and more constant dependence on him to sustain them, to make them more cautious about all future circumstances that may lead to sin and for other just and holy purposes. So whatever happens to any of us elect happens by his appointment for his glory and for their good. Amen. I remember hearing this statement for the first time before I read the confession. I was running. And I was listening to a podcast, and they brought this up. And this was during the time when I was working on um, my dissertation. Okay. And I was thinking through sanctification. And I was wrestling with understanding how we think about remaining sin mm-hmm. in the process of sanctification. Because I came from a place where if if you had any remaining struggles and you had these struggles with sin— most of the time it was, well, you must not be a believer if you do this or do that or you haven't got rid of this in your life. And this refreshed my soul, and I thought, wait a second. It's right here, you know, written hundreds of years ago of a balanced understanding of remaining sin yeah. in the life of believer and how there's purposes for it. Yeah, It's not this progressive, no struggle always pursuing the Just Lord. Just peaks, no valleys. I, I mean, I know you've perfected it, so you can help oh, yes. our, our listeners understand oh, how course. it feels <laughs> to be so perfect. But, yeah. mm-hmm. but right, it, it's up and down, and that's part of the Christian life for what God's going to do. That That's my introduction to why I love this yeah. paragraph. <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you what, this paragraph is so important and helpful um, for me as someone who was raised in the church, mm. came to faith early on in terms of 
behavior and obedience and that kind of thing. I mean, my parents will probably disagree with all of this, but <laughs> but I, I was more or less obedient, uh, uh, compliant, and I, I you know yeah. I didn't like to do what was wrong, etc. Okay, um, this there's something the Lord does when He allows us to fall into sin, yeah, or even arranges you know com- in this complex way ordains. For us to wrestle with some sort of sin in our lives, it reminds us of how much we need his grace. Yeah. And it takes the behavior issue and says, that's not the issue. It's what yeah. you alluded to earlier. It's the heart. Yep. And, you know, because of the, when you're when you're raised in a certain moral kind of context, that morality becomes habitual in some ways. It's not... You, it could just be behavior, not a real heartfelt desire, right? Would you say that's pharisaical? Like when they talk about that for somebody who grows up in a Christian home, yeah. you become like a Pharisee because it's external, not done for oh, yeah. the heart. I think that's a huge danger. Absolutely. And isn't that then become the danger when the Christian life is focused all on the externals and we're not looking at the heart and we look clean on the outside, yeah. but on the inside, we're not clean and we have a false understanding of each other and we don't understand our own struggles or another person's struggle. We think, well, they're doing much better than I am Mm -hmm. because look how it looks on the outside. Well, it makes it, and you and I have talked about this. It makes it performative. Oh yeah. Perform for God. Perform for God. And if I just do this, these right actions, this right performance, then I'm okay. Yeah. If I don't chew gum in church, I don't cross my legs for the women. I don't wear makeup. You know, I don't go to movie theaters, et cetera, et cetera. Then I'm okay. Whereas, yeah. I, you know, there were many times that I looked okay, but inside my heart, I was resentful. I was uh, proud. I was self-deceived. I mean, so I love that what, what the confession seems to be saying is, hey, you know what? Sometimes the Lord arranges so that the temptations come and even sin, yeah. right? He does this to chastise them. He, or, or, or he says, you know, he allows them to have a variety of temptations and uh, the sinfulness of their own hearts to chastise them and make them aware of this hidden strength of corruption. You know, I, I wouldn't, and then he goes on to say, and also their need, right? They're, they're causing them to be humble. Look, when you're all about performance, sometimes you believe your own kind of, lies right that that you've achieved and and that the lord owes you salvation somehow and i think this is a great way to say no the lord sometimes wants to remind us we don't this also gets in the middle um of of the understanding of it's not you obey and god's blessing is going to follow i think i just came up with jerry bridges when i started reading him the gateway drug to more reformed theology, um, <laughs> as, as others have said, uh-huh. um, because he talked about the performance trap, good day, bad day. God doesn't love you anymore on your good day, and he doesn't love you any less on your worst day. Mm. But then what he brought into the argument, too, and I forget which book this was in, but God's blessing is not dependent on your obedience. He blesses you because you're in Christ. Amen. And when we start to live this way, then we start to kind of get disordered in our thoughts of God owes me. I've done all this for you, God. How can this happen to somebody who's so faithful? Look, he's given his life over and they lost a child. Mm. You know, something terrible happened. Their house burned down. You know, and and these are real cases that happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was in seminary and I remember one of the seminary students died, Mm. you know, and, 
and it, it happened recently. A seminary student yep, just graduated. has graduated, yeah. passed away, and you look and you think, but I'm faithful, Lord. You, you, you know, even in the Old Testament, if you obey, you'll be blessed. Mm. And we forget that that's, you know, in the new covenant in Christ, we're blessed because we're in him and God chooses it. Mm-hmm. It's not directly related to how am I obeying him well, and performing? Let me, let me, let me turn that just a little bit. What defines blessing? Yes. Right. Yeah. In Christ, we have all spiritual blessings. Yes. Yeah. You preached about. Yeah. And I was thinking about that because what the the confession is, is saying that even those temptations that come and even the, the fall into sin that occurs is actually part of God graciously guiding us right to a cognizance of our need for him and a reliance on him because that's where our our life comes from. And he says, they say in the confession that it kind of helps us from further sin. Yeah. Right. So I'm always suspicious when people don't have a category for remaining sin Yeah, in a way that is not this, Oh, okay. We all fall into sin. You know, it's the gravy kind of sins. Oh, you know, somebody lies, but I'm talking about the, you know, our, Sinning and falling yeah. on your face. Yep. Um, when you don't have the category for remaining sin, then you get into this kind of looking good on the outside. Everybody's okay. We're, we're so focused on our faithfulness and our eyes are off Christ's faithfulness. And the, the statement here about how God allows it, ordains it, and has holy purposes in mm-hmm. it. Exactly. And even talks about how we don't even know what those might be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they, they, they allow uh, an understanding of our struggle with sin, not so that one becomes licentious, right. but that one comes to understand their great God in the midst of a world where we still fall short of the glory of God. You know, I can never remember the name of that song that our dear friend Onik leads almost every time he leads worship. Uh, you know that hymn, I can't remember. I think it was a, uh, I think it was another John Newton hymn. Oh, yes. I think I know what you're talking about when you see our own hearts. Yeah. Yes. And, the, and yes, it's, I know. He's like, you know, I wanted, you know, yeah. grace and faith, deeper faith. And then he's like, he just made me more aware of my darkness and my, you know. But but in the end, you know, the, the, the end result is that that's how I show you and grow you, right? Yeah. That your need for me, that's where, you know, when we are weak, then we're strong in him. And one of the things that um, you have to do to, to not have a doctrine of remaining sin in your system is you have to redefine sin. And somehow pride, I think, is no longer a sin in that case. Self-righteousness somehow is not really a sin. You have to lower the the demands of the law yep. to a level that you can keep. Yep. And then you put that on other people, mm-hmm. and that becomes the standard for everybody else. Yep. And then the standard of faithfulness becomes this law that you can keep. And if you don't keep it, then you're not saved. Yep. It's easy. So just don't have a confession, and you won't have the category. That That's what I have found yeah. uh, of my critique of those. And I've also found how much our eyes turn to man being faithful. We're just so focused on just be faithful and preaching, be faithful. And where is Christ? Why aren't we talking about him? Why aren't we thinking about him? And we're so focused on ourselves and comparing to each other. Um, Yeah. And look, I'll, I'll be the first to say, I know what it's like to preach that. It's all your fault. 
I have found the Lord working on my heart yeah. and in my teaching and preaching over the years to, to show me how I have put way, I had put too much emphasis on call to response and obedience and all those things yeah. rather than showing Christ and then showing that how through Christ we can respond and grow and all those things. Yeah. I mean, could you ever be more encouraged by somebody who's just obeying or somebody who you didn't even tell them what to do, but the Lord impressed it on their heart and they come to you and, and, and they live out their life motivated by gratitude, motivated by his goodness and kindness rather than motivated by fear, guilt, shame, the law. Yeah. Lord, be merciful to me. Lord, be merciful yeah. to me. And then out of that, I want to serve you. Yeah. Not, uh, <laughs> look at me. Thank yeah. you that I'm not like one of these other guys. Yeah. Well, let's end with this last statement uh, <clears throat> from the paragraph. So whatever happens to any of his elect happens by his appointment for his glory <laughs> and for their good. I always wonder where that statement came from. Bridges stole it from the confession. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, yeah. people, you'll hear it in many yep. different books, but yep. uh, for God's glory and, and our good Amen. are not competing. They no. occur at the same time in all things that he appoints. So Amen. divine providence is chapter five. We have two more paragraphs to go. Mm-hmm. We won't get to them today. We'll pick them up in another episode. But we hope you enjoy uh, listening uh, to our thoughts on the confession. Any feedback, questions, feel free to send it to us. Feedback at roddenstaff.org. Any complaints at Pastor Jason? He has a new email address. So I should share that, right? At the new sure. church? Right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we hope you enjoy these episodes and that you'll join us again next time. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the host with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodnstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.